It opens up with God declaring His love for His people and they say, how have you loved us? God uses His covenant faithfulness to Israel at that time to justify His love for them. For us today, we know that God's love has been revealed in sending His Son Jesus. And we know that Jesus' love for God and love for others was revealed whenever He willingly laid down His life. Like a lamb, without blemish and without spot. This morning, just have us contemplate on that for a moment. us is that love that even while we were yet sinners Christ died for us Lord we thank you for your love and I pray Lord today that you would be with us might you freshly captivate us by your love today might you motivate us by your love to live lives that are holy, to live lives that are filled with love toward others, to do so without partiality. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would be with us Speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would set me aside and let uh, the voice that comes be none other than the voice of your Spirit. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. In this season of Advent, we are we are looking for the return of Christ and that uh, is rooted in the reality that Christ has already come. So we celebrate that he has come and yet we say, come again, come back, come be with us. Uh, Last week we looked at the prophet Jeremiah and it was during uh, the life of uh, prophets like Jeremiah during the, the, the historical time frame of uh, prophets like Isaiah, uh, uh, later Jeremiah, uh, uh, and, and Ezekiel, and other prophets, that uh, the prophetic promise of a coming Messiah began to, be, uh, began to be articulated very clearly in Israel. Uh, to the northern kingdom Israel and to the southern kingdom uh, Judah and Jerusalem. It was during their time whenever they were in exile in Babylon where everything looked hopeless, where everything was lost, the land was lost, the once mighty city of Jerusalem was lost, the temple of God was lost. It was in the midst of this loss 
this utter devastating loss that these prophetic promises begin to begin uh, become more clear that there would be a king who would come and that the nation would be restored and that the glory of this restored nation would far surpass the ancient glory of this great nation. Well, what happened was they began to see some of the promises uh, come to life. Cyrus issued a decree that allowed the Jews from Jerusalem to return to rebuild their city and to rebuild their temple. And in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we find that they they returned and they rebuilt their city and they rebuilt their temple. It seems like everything's going swimmingly. However, we know throughout the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, these rebuilding operations were met with some hostility, some aggression, some obstacles. And yet, uh, one of the great things about these, these, these historical books is that we find that, that God's people endured the hostility and the aggression, the obstacles, and they overcame them. They rebuilt the walls, they rebuilt the temple. Seems like everything's going just as God said it would. But then about a hundred years later, we get the prophet Malachi. Malachi begins speaking into a reality of the people who've returned to the land, the people who've rebuilt the city, the people who who are now worshiping once again in the temple. Malachi begins to utter some indictments. And it all begins, as I said, Malachi chapter 1, where the Lord speaks through Malachi and he says, I love you, Israel. And they say, how have you loved us? And this really frames that question, how have you loved us, really frames everything that comes after. Because then what we find is that because they doubt the love of God, They are not honoring God as he ought to be honored. Whenever the Lord announces this, you are not honoring me like I I, I deserve the honor. They say, how are we not honoring you? And he says, well, here's a case in point. The sacrificial offerings that you bring are not your firstborn, the best Spotless lambs. You bring me your crippled lambs. You bring me blind sacrifices. He says, if you had one of your governors coming over to your house to dine with you, you would not give them the crippled lamb to eat. 
you would find your fattest, fullest, most pure animal that you have in your flock or among your herd. And you would give that to them as an honor. Think about it. You've had some people come over for dinner that you want to impress or you want to give gratitude to. You don't go get Taco Bell. Unless you love Taco Bell. And I don't have a problem with you loving Taco Bell. Truth be told, I have a weak spot for Taco Bell. (laughs) That's because it was a delicacy in our house growing up. Fine dining in Austin houses. God says to his people, you're not bringing me worthy animals. And listen, here's the reality. God doesn't need the animals. Right? It, It has nothing to do with God going, I want better animals. It has everything to do with God saying, what's really going on in your heart? Do you truly trust me? Do you love me? Do you believe and hope in me that I'm for you, that I'm not against you? He said, the animals that you bring reveal You don't. You're holding me in suspicion. There are other indictments that come along the way. Uh, Malachi announces a return to faithfulness. And he says, he says, you're, you're being unfaithful to God. You've married pagan idolatrous spouses and you've adopted their pagan idolatrous worship practices. And then he says that husbands aren't being faithful to their wives. And again, all of this is a product of their saying, how have you loved us, God? And they're asking that question because the reality for them is although they had returned to the land, although they had rebuilt the city, and although they had rebuilt the temple, they still were not yet a sovereign nation. They still had not received the promised Messiah. While the physical reality of exile had ended, the true conceptual reality of exile had not ended. 
They were still in exile because the promises hadn't fully been fulfilled. Their king had not come. They were still paying taxes and subservient to other nations. After Babylon, it was the Medes, the Persians. Uh, they, they were uh, subject to the Greeks. They were subject later to Rome. So we have to understand why they were doubting God's love. They were doubting God's love, God's justice. As chapter 2 closes and says, where is God's justice? They were doubting it because they had seen some things happen. The promises seemed to be, begin to be fulfilled and then nothing. And then nothing. And this challenged their faithfulness to the Lord. This caused them to say, I don't know that we need to take our tithes and offerings this year. Malachi 4 reveals. I don't know that we need to upkeep this temple. It caused the priest to tell people who were doing unholy, unjust, unloving things that God was pleased with them. Malachi chapter 2 reveals to us. And God speaks this word in Malachi 3 to these people who are doubting God's love, who are doubting God's justice, who are not trusting in God fully. And because they are not trusting in God, it is showing up not only in how they worship, but in how they treat people. And God says, look, I'm sending my messenger before I come. Y'all might be familiar with the text, but I'll read it. Malachi 3, verse number 1. Behold, I will send my messenger. The interesting thing about messenger there is Malachi's name in the Hebrew uh, has the same root as this Hebrew word that is pronounced messenger. So Malachi was a messenger. And Malachi says... Speaking on behalf of the Lord, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi says, I'm not saying this. God's saying. To a people who are distrusting and disobedient. 
They're unfaithful. And they're unloving. They are harshly treating their neighbors. They're not welcoming the strangers and the foreigners. They are uh, uh, exploiting and taking advantage of the marginalized and the oppressed. Uh, Well, the marginalized are becoming oppressed because they're exploiting them. They're not paying fair wages to their hired staff. To these people, the Lord utters this wonderful promise that we take a lot of hope in. Behold, look, I'm sending my messenger. He's going to come before I come. This is good news. This is great news. Hey, look, despite your unfaithfulness, I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still, uh, my plan is still on the table. It's still to come. Oh, good news. Great joy. Glad tidings, everyone. And you and I, just so that we're clear, we know who this was historically, right? Who comes in fulfillment of the messenger? Before Jesus... John the Baptist, he comes in the spirit of Elijah. He comes to prepare the way of the Lord. This good news is met with a challenge, though. Look, you people who don't love me, you people who doubt my love for you, you people who doubt that I'm a just God, you people who are dishonoring me and you're being unfaithful to me and to one another. Listen, you people, I am still going to make good on my promise. But, don't you love those disruptive conjunctions? But, no, no buts, no buts, no buts. We don't, we don't need a but here. Who may abide the day of his coming? Who shall stand when he appears? See, he comes like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. If you don't know what a fuller is, me neither. A fuller is like a launderer. Not a money launderer, but a clothes launderer. He comes like detergent or something a little stronger, maybe like some Clorox bleach. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall Purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver so that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. And I, He will come and prepare the way for me. And he is going to come 
and try to refine and purify. But he can't. John the Baptist came preaching, repent and be baptized as a symbolic act that you have cleaned up your old ways. That you're letting off the filth. That you're enjoying a new, holy, righteous day. Verse 5 says, and I will come. I will come near to you in judgment. And I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers. And against the adulterers. And against the false swearers. And against those that oppress the hireling and his wages. Those who oppress the widow and the fatherless. And those that turn aside the stranger or the resident alien. The immigrant from his right. And from those who do not fear me, saith the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord. I change not. And that is why you are not consumed. I'm giving you this merciful promise, but there is a challenge. And the challenge is who will be ready? And we know the story that John the Baptist came and they scoffed him like they scoffed the other prophets. John the Baptist came and he preached for people to repent and to turn. And there were some who did. And Malachi even talks about a faithful remnant. But what we could say is the ones who mattered, the ones with authority, if you will, they did not. In fact, John, John was put in prison for speaking out against the authorities. And then John was beheaded because uh, one of the authorities, uh, the wives of the chief authority, didn't like that John was slandering her name. Didn't like that her husband hadn't actually killed him. So she put a clever plan into place to have John beheaded. But John said, I am not the Messiah, I'm the messenger. I came to get things ready. And then Jesus came. And Jesus, we could look at his life and we could ask, did he come and live a life that judged those who were sorcerers and adulterers and false swearers? Did he live a life that, uh, that uh, brought judgment against those uh, who 
those who did not give a just wage, those who oppressed the widow and the orphan, uh, those who uh, uh, did not offer the right things for the immigrants, for people who didn't look like them, people who weren't their neighbor. Did Jesus live this life? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And many could not stand in the day of John. And they could not stand in the day of Jesus. You and I have said yes to Jesus. We have said he is our sovereign Lord. He is the promised Messiah. He has come. And you and I are waiting for that day when he will come again. And Malachi, the message, Malachi, the uh, story rooted in a historical reality that said it had been a long time. The plan began to be uh, fulfilled and it was a long continuing to be corrupt politicians as we see people continue to fight and argue about what a just wage is as we sit there and we continue to live in this world where people don't know what to do with people who come into our country legally or illegally you and I who are waiting for God's justice to come so that no more No more kids get shot in their schools. And so that no more protests and or riots take place in the streets. You and I who live in this world that we are exposed to more and more corruption, brokenness, and rebellion. You and I need to know that we are subject to the temptation that says God doesn't really love you. And where is God's justice? And if it's not the big things that happen in the news media every day, It's the things that you are faced with in your own life. It's your husband having a stroke and becoming debilitated after years of faithful service to the Lord and you going, God, where's your justice? It's the cancer diagnosis. It's having to leave what you've called home for 15 years. It's your spouse not being faithful. 
And sometimes it doesn't even take that much. Right? Sometimes the transmission goes out on the car. And it's the straw that broke the camel's back. Sometimes. It's not your spouse being unfaithful. It's just them doubting you. And you lose your mind. And I thought you loved me. It's funny and it's not. You and I are subject to the same temptation that faced them. And here's the deal. Here's why it's important that you and I continue to trust. That because God has made good on this promise, He will make good on the promise of Jesus that says, where I go, I will come again. And the promise that was brought by those messengers on the Mount of Olives when the apostles were standing, gawking into the sky because Jesus had just ascended into the heavens and they were there just gaping and the messenger said, Hey, hey, why are you standing there looking up? Go get to work. He will come again. Just like he left. It's important that we know God who made good on that promise will make good on the other promise. It's important that we know that this is all out of God's desire and character to love us. And it's also out of God's desire to bring justice to this world where there's so much injustice. And you and I have to cling to this. We have to cling to this Because you and I are called to be people who love like God loves. And you and I are called to be people who are just in this world that is filled with injustice. See, when we said yes to Jesus, we said he is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the promised fulfillment of all those Ancient prophetic utterances. You and I said, we stood up and we said, we will stand. We will stand ready to be refined each and every day. You and I signed up, if you will, to take a bath each and every morning. To go through the refining fire each and every day. 
You and I stood up and said, who shall abide? I'll abide. I will stand. If nobody else in this world stands, God, I'm going to stand because I know the truth. I know who the king is. And I know the king's way. You and I took on the challenge. And taking on that challenge means each and every day we cling to that promise, you're coming back. And each and every day we know he's coming back because he loves us, not just us, but this whole world. He doesn't love me more than he loves the Muslim. He doesn't love any of us more than he loves the other. He doesn't love Americans exceptionally well, but not those Russians. He loves us all. And because of his love, he's returning to restore not just Jerusalem, but all the heavens and all the earth are going to be made new again. And because he's just, he wants to come and undo all the brokenness. And so you and I see this challenge that says, who shall abide? And we know historically, a lot of people thought that they were ready for the challenge and they were not. And you and I say, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, we will stand. We will stand ever trusting in your love, ever trusting in your justice. And that doesn't just mean that we're hoping for it. That means that we're living it. And so my brothers and my sisters, This morning, I encourage us to remember that we are subject to that temptation that says God doesn't love you. They brought broken, crippled lambs. God gave us his precious whole, pure, holy son who came like a lamb without any blemishes, without one spot. You and I can accept the challenge. Because the lamb has gone before us. And Jesus doesn't just say, try hard. Jesus says, here's my spirit. Here's my spirit. Walk in my spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in my spirit and you can resist that temptation that says, God stopped loving you or stopped loving all of us sometime long ago and decided to not make good on his promise. Walk in my spirit and you can love 
and act justly. Just like Jesus. So my brothers, my sisters, we can accept the challenge. We're reminded today to remember their historical reality so that we don't fall subject ourselves. I'm also here to tell anybody who doesn't know that Jesus is the fulfillment, he is. That Jesus is the promised Messiah. That Jesus is the lamb who laid down his life for your life and for my life. That Jesus is the one who has come and today he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, and I can't say it's going to be very soon, but it could be very soon. And I look for it to be imminent, but soon to me might be relative to God. So one day he will return. And when he does, all the things that have happened that are totally terrible and destructive and devastating to you and all the things that we have done that have been totally terrible, destructive and devastating to others will be undone. And he will make them right. And I don't know how he can do that because I've done some terrible things, but I do know this. He promised that he would do it. And I trust because he loves us and because he's just, he's going to make good on that promise. So, maybe today you're convinced after that little two-minute spiel that Jesus is king and you've never surrendered to him as king. You've never received him as the lamb that was slain for you. Today might be that day. But maybe you just want to enter into some more talks. I would say if today's not that day, talk to me. or Talk to somebody else and let's begin having some good discussion. So that you can see that Jesus really is who we testify him to be, who scripture reveals him to be, and who God promised he would be. And with that, I say, amen. Will you bow me, or will you join me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? That almost sounded like, will you bow before me? I would never, I promise you. Just as we're here, let's just think about what God is talking to us about. Maybe this morning you go, I didn't know that that was the challenge. <laughs> and you're a little overwhelmed. You're like, that's daunting. That's the challenge that's before me. That's what I signed up for. Maybe you're feeling a little timid over that. Might you just come to God and just say, God, that, that overwhelms me. God, that seems like a lot. And let God speak to you. Let God remind you, hey, it would be a lot if it were up to you, but it's not up to you. I've given you my spirit. Maybe you're here and you just needed to be reminded that, hey, like I signed up for this and you just needed that encouragement and you come to God and you say, God, thank you for the encouragement. It's like a locker room 
halftime pep talk. I needed it. Maybe you came in here today and you were really, God's love was really suspect to you. God's justice was suspect to you. The Holy Spirit just said, hey, I, I, I know you hadn't even said it, but remember you thought that. You've been thinking that. And today you just need to go, God, thank you for seeing me, knowing me, encouraging me, reminding me that you love me. Maybe, maybe today, this morning, the message is like, hey, you've actually never really surrendered to Jesus. As your Lord, as your Savior, you've never come and you've never said, hey, listen, I, I, I sign up to receive him as my king to receive his promises of the Spirit, his promise of forgiveness for my sins. And today the Lord is saying, yeah, that, that's it. Accept the call. Wherever you're at, just talk to God about what he's talking to you about this morning. If anybody needs somebody to pray with or talk to, I'll be here at the front for a few minutes. I'm going to begin praying here in just a second, and uh, if you're still praying, don't let my prayer interrupt your prayer. Lord God, I come to you right now, and Lord, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your promises. I thank you that uh, they are yes and amen. 
Thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for those who are gathered here. Lord, I pray and I ask that you'd be with us, that we would be filled with your spirit this week, and we would walk by your spirit this week, that we would live lives that you've called us to live, that we would accept the challenge, Lord, to be the ones who abide, to stand. And Lord, that we would not do so merely for ourselves, for, for our, uh, out of pride or vainglory, but Lord, we would do it out of love and justice ourselves. Lord, I pray. I pray as we do this, that we would be fulfilling our call as disciples of Jesus. And through it, we would be able to make disciples of Jesus. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Amen. Just before we uh, sing our closing song this morning, I have one more announcement. I have had a heavy, hearty, grievous announcement earlier, and uh, I have a a lighter, more joyful announcement now. And uh, that is that a few weeks ago... uh, uh, Miss Wanda and Brother Nicholas uh, Damian began to attend Friendswood Baptist Church, and um, and we talked uh, over the last few weeks. And last week they said, or a couple weeks ago they said they want to come and uh, join with Friendswood Baptist Church, and they want to do so by way of baptism. Amen. Um, and so uh, we are going to be doing this. Uh, at the beginning of uh, the new year. Um, they are going to be plunged into the waters. They're frigid. Don't worry. The Holy Spirit will be with you. Now, <laughs> we will have heaters on them, um, and hopefully the heaters work. Um, but uh, we are excited about that. So uh, here's what I want to say. Is Friends of Baptist Church, are we in agreement with this? Amen. 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 Yeah. Now, if we're in agreement to receive them into our family, then we also have to um, be good brothers and sisters. Let's be mindful to get to know them, uh, to have coffee, lunch, uh, dinner, something with them. Uh, Let's be mindful to uh, be in prayer for them. Uh, And uh, let's let's make space for them, right? Uh, Invite them in uh, to our community. Um, Yeah. And with that, I want to say, amen. 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 May God be with us as we go.